Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm a corporate giant. Dogs don't see in black and white. Let's, Let's learn, learn a thing or two. two. Woof. <laughs> Take it away, Thomas. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. We're here, Matt. We're, we're here to record another topic, another two topics. and It's what we do. It's what we do. And we are just, we're ready to go and we're ready and it's around lunchtime, Matt. And you know what I could do with in my life right now? You could probably eat a ton. I could eat a ton. I know I could. Man, I really love a Big Mac. Ooh, the Big Mac. Is that your topic? Not the Big Mac, but we're here to talk about McDonald's. Oh, yes. History? Ma- facts? Crazy things? A little, me. A little bit of it all. So, McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The happiest place on earth. I'm loving it. McDonald's is the happiest place on the world. But... It's not. It's not. It's fast food. It's fast food, and it's been through a lot. And if you watched the movie The Founder, which I did a while ago, you realize how dirty and scummy McDonald's really is. I don't like to think about it, Thomas, because I get my 10-piece at least a couple times a week. Well, not from, like, a food standpoint. Nowadays, the food, there's been so much negative backlash that, like, the food they make is actually, like, quality food. They really try. better than what it was. Yeah. But you're talking company culture, production-wise? I'm talking country, like, company culture and, like, its foundings and the dirty, scummy corporate process of getting where it was today. Well, it is fast food, so fast but money, too. We need to start from the beginning in a simpler back. time, the 1980, 1940s. <laughs> 1980s, a simpler time. I don't think that was very simple. The 1940s, yeah. 1948, brothers Maurice Mack and Richard McDonald start their McDonald's restaurant in San Bernardino, California. So Mac and McDonald together. So the Big Mac is Mac and the McDonald's is McDonald and McDonald it like all comes together. Yeah, McDonald Mac McDonald in a sense. It's Mac McDonald and Richard McDonald. San Bernardino, California, they bought appliances for their small burger restaurant from a salesman Ray Kroc who intrigued their needs for an eight malt and shake mixer so these guys mac and richard they're busting out this mcdonald's and they are on an efficiency high i don't know if you've seen the founder but they kind of do a visual representation of what's going on in this place they have done it down to the t when they were first designing the speed and efficiency of their restaurant they drew out the whole kitchen on a tennis court and then trained their employees to be as efficient as possible it's wild. McDonald's, in a sense, is a self-service station. It wasn't like the other fast food joints at the time where you drive up and a waiter would come to your car and then put the tray on the car and bring you the food. Yeah. This was you'd walk up to the counter and the efficiency of it would be you buy the food and they'd hand it to you because they only sold very limited items. It was yeah. milkshakes, hamburgers, and fries. And because of the uniformity of all the items and the speed that in which they could produce, you'd buy and then you'd receive your food. It would it's the quintessential fast food. Honestly, I wish it was that way these days. Seems like there's always a wait, Thomas. I'm always waiting for my Big Mac. Always. Ray Kroc, though, he comes into the mix, and that's what the founder is kind of about. This guy, and he is a milkshake machines vendor. Oh, okay. And he's so surprised that most of these restaurants they ask for like one or two machines for their restaurants and McDonald's in the meantime is using eight because they're about speed and efficiency 
So when Ray Kroc finds out that they're using so many, he's like, whoa, what you guys are doing here is revolutionary. I want in. <laughs> Eight milkshakes at one time. So he discovered that the easy for Ray Kroc, he discovered that the simple, easy format permitted the brothers to create huge quantities of food for his low prices. Hamburgers, for them, 15 cents. Half the price of competing markets at that time. Wow. So. Where were they cutting costs then? Well, it was a self-service counter, so there's no need for waitresses or waiters. That's they, so modern. That is very, very modern. And the customers received their food ahead of time so they could do more purchases because all the food is made perf- before and then held under heat lamps to keep warm. Yeah. I mean, if you go, I feel like the best representation of this is sometimes if you go to a rest stop on the road and you grab, I know there's restaurants that like McDonald's or Burger King's that the food is waiting under a heat lamp. Pre-made yeah. I can picture it. like the slots, you know, they put the different sandwiches in each slot. And that's kind of, what it was but i know there's a big push modern day for food to order like you order it and they'll make it made to order i'm sorry right but this fast food concept was completely theirs mac and richard so croc the mr milkshake croc he sees opportunity and he offers to begin a franchise program with the mcdonald brothers so on april 15th 1955 he opens his first mcdonald's in Deep Plains, Illinois, the same year that the McDonald's Corporation is launched. And he eventually buys out McDonald's Brothers in 1961. And the number of McDonald's outlets would hit 1,000 before the end of the decade. Wow, that's a lot. Popping up left and right. And it I just mean, kept, popular. Yeah, it kept growing so fast that he within 10 years, they had gone public on the stock market. So, Croc... In a sense, he came in, saw opportunity, went big, and then kicked the original brothers out. Actually, to this day, oh, yeah. the only there's been kind of this law. There was lawsuits and all this stuff with the original creators, and they were able to keep their original restaurant in California. The, the family still yeah. owns it. Interesting. So, this is an era of defining. That 10-year span of 55 to 65, McDonald's gets its iconic double arches, which then leads to the M symbol, which becomes an enduring logo in 1962. McDonald's became who it was in the course of 10 years. It took over the whole fast food industry. And as time goes on, the Big Mac was introduced in 1968 the egg mcmuffin in 1973 the happy meal in 1979 and the mcnugget in 1983 and the chain expanded not only domestically but internationally in canada in 1967 a total of 10,000 restaurants by 1988 so they go public and within two years they entered the canadian market and then within <laughs> 20 years they have over 10,000 stores that's wild so growth has continued swiftly into the 1990s where McDonald's would open every five hours. Every what? five hours a new McDonald's was opening up in the 21st century, wow. early 21st century. That's Globally, too. They're spreading around the world. Insane. They're, McDonald's is everywhere. But this is where we get into the controversy. This is where we get into the bad times. This is when the Happy Meal is no longer happy. <laughs> the sad meal. 
the success McDonald's brings, you know, when you're very successful, a lot of eyes start to get directed towards you. 100%. And due to the increased global obesity crisis that had been going on, McDonald's kind of gets called (laughs) out in a classic film, Supersize Me. Seen it. Seen it. Watched it. Yeah, so McDonald's introduced for just 50 cents more, you get an extra large fry and an extra large drink. It's too much. Excess. The American excess. The American excess is a real thing, and it affects well, it affects the poor people who invest in it. So these large sides just destroy the representation of McDonald's. And since then, they've introduced healthier options like salads and more fat snack wrap things that are low calorie they like to say that the reception of the super size me film is not why they changed they like to say they did it because there was a right to not because of oh this is bad press we better change Mm -hmm. so the mc so mcdonald's kind of has a negative view 25 percent of workers have worked in a McDonald's at some point in their lives. That's a lot of people. A lot I of mean, like low paying jobs. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually, it's one of the world's largest private employers though. And it's actually funny. There's the term a Mick job has been Mick added job. to the Merriam Webster dictionary as a low paying job. A Mick mansion. I remember we did an episode on that. The Mick. That prefix adds a whole sense to it. So a McJob, a low-paying wage. I mean, yeah, that's what I think of when fast food. I think of, like, a lowly job. There's a really great interview with James Franco, the actor, and he was acting out in L.A. at one point, and he couldn't get any roles. And he was like, why am I too good to work in a McDonald's? So he got a job at McDonald's and worked there and saved up money, and then he eventually got his acting roles and became a huge star. But that little story... It shows that McDonald's is like this idea of a low-paying fast food wage. It's kind of degraded to this lowly society thing. Yet we all kind of have had McDonald's, you know? No one says they're too good for McDonald's because, like, it is its own special thing, right? It is. But you know it's wild? McDonald's, you'd think they would be making – how could they possibly make so much money with, like, what they do? And the real thing, the real thing is, they own all the land that McDonald's. Re- they are also a property group. They have no expenses, limited expenses. Because they own, they own the land that McDonald's are built on. Yeah. And they've also expanded. Now, cover your ears if you don't want the sad truth. McDonald's has bought out a lot of companies as well. Um, McDonald's has acquired Chipotle Mexican Grill in 1998. McDonald's really owns Chipotle. McDonald's owns chipotle that's wild i didn't know that thomas in 1998 which makes you think it's like think of think of the efficiency of a chipotle think of it like in comparison to Cadoba, how there's like a lot of options yeah but if you go to like the simplicity of a chipotle it's this it's this this or this 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 or this 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 yeah it's super streamlined in a line you go down the line and it's done it is in a sense Harkening back to the original McDonald's. It's very true to the original McDonald's model, yeah. 
So, McDonald's is a beautiful thing. They've taken over the world, even behind the scenes. Really have, yeah. Um, But with all their money, they've also been pretty charitable. Uh, I just want to read this fact because it has our, our lovely boys in green. McDonald's has actively worked with the Philadelphia Eagles in 1974. Well, the football player Fred Hill, who was daughter was diagnosed with leukemia to create the Ronald McDonald house. Yeah, they, they raise a ton of money. So, is McDonald's a bad guy? Kinda. Yes. I mean, if you want to look at the deforesta- deforestation to create all the beef that's involved in creating... They sell 38, 78 hamburgers a second. So, if we say one Mississippi, 78 hamburgers have been sold. Yes. That's wild. I believe it, though. I do as well. So, maybe, maybe McDonald's needs to bring it back in but when has a company ever said no to more you know what I'll, I'll tell you that's true companies are in it for big money they employ people um they reach out to areas where there might not be many jobs i guess yeah. so that's a good thing employment's important when i go to mcdonald's though thomas i never get beef anymore though because i know it's not sustainably sourced beef right. i only get chicken and not that the chicken's any better but Chicken I mean, needs less land, less water. Yeah, I'm just trying to be trying to change like a single thing. Now, all my vegetarian friends and, and vegan friends are probably they hate that. You know, like it's it's a disgrace. Not just the company, or not just the eating of meat, but like the company how it's produced and everything. You know, so I'm trying. I like McDonald's though. You know, to be honest though, out of all the fast foods, I feel like McDonald's falls pretty low on the taste scale. Absolutely, the, fr- the fries are pretty good but when it comes to the burgers i would say wendy's has some beat yeah wendy's has wendy's the best has... burgers i like mcnuggets the best though yes mcnuggets are in a league of their own but when it comes to burgers i'd say wendy's tops it by far but hey that's just our opinion on mcdonald's i'm sure everybody has their own view on the fast food industry let us know yeah inform us but let's move off this mickey this Mickey D topic, otherwise I'm going to get too hungry myself. And move yeah, my on. mouth is salivating. <laughs> Let's move on to what Matt has. Matt, what do you bring us? Dogs like food. We like food. I'm going to talk about some dogs today. I'm going to talk specifically, how do dogs see the world? Dogs see the world? Don't they see it in black and white or something? I was just going to ask. That's not true. Ugh. Recent studies have shown that is not the case. But another thing to add, dogs don't only see, they smell the world. They smell more than they oh, see the world. It's like a shark, right? It's like a shark, you know, all the olfactory receptors adding to this big picture. You know, sensing is different for everyone. The way you see things is completely different. We might see that shade of purple or blue. I don't know. What is that to you? Yeah. It's I mean, purpley, right? It's a purpley blue color. But it's... we all view – you're right. We all view the world differently. But – how do dogs view the world? It's quite interesting, and it's very hard to tell. Scientists are still looking into this. So dogs see differently than humans. The reason lies within the actual makeup of their eye. In the eye are light receptors called cones and rods, just like yeah. humans. Um, I've talked about this in a podcast before with our biometric scanning. But the cones help us distinguish different colors, while rods help us see in dim light. So dogs have different cones than us while they have more rods so they can see in darker environments they can see in darker environments but they can't see as many colors 
So it turns out dogs have fewer cone receptors, which means they can't see as many colors like humans, which they can detect three colors. Do you know what they are? We can we see uh, blue, yellow, red. We see blue, blue, green, red. Oh, well. Yellow is made between um, what is it? Green and yeah, blue. Green and blue, red, green and blue, red. If you want to talk about primary colors, that's its own thing. Yeah, color theory is wild. I've learned a lot in the past year. Anyway, dogs can only see two colors, but no one is truly certain what those two colors are. No? No. Some people think it could be blue and yellow. Oh, right. Because if you see two colors, you can still... I mean, you can go into Photoshop and just remove one of the... Well, okay. Side note. Um, I think we talked about Technicolor once. Yes. Technicolor film, it's obviously you have your cyan, your magenta, and your yellow. In a sense, that correlates to red, blue, green. Now, if you were to remove one of them, you'd still get an image. So I guess that's what the dogs, if you remove one of those colors, that's what they see. Absolutely. And it's less focused also. When you see less colors, things lose their sharpness in a way because there are so many colors that make up contrast contrast that you can't see like depth is different but that's where the other dog senses come into play which is nose and stuff but quick i want to be just a quick note into the colors that a dog see it's probably what we see at dusk limited colors at dusk i mean we see a sunset but once the sunset goes down things get hazy yeah they're more muted they're essentially that's that picture you can tell what that is right yeah it's a family but it's real blurry and it's real kind of faded colors it's a bluish yellowish tone is that a proposed view of dog vision that is a proposed view and there are actually many software programs out there that try to predict what dogs see just so people can understand so this theory of dogs only seeing those two colors goes against what um humans previously had thought that dogs can't see colors at all which was uh studied by russian scientists in 2013 they were like oh dogs see in black and white and that's i mean ever since i was a child that's what i thought i was like dogs can't see and i forget that sometimes but there are cases of dogs you can like be like the yellow one and the dog will like grab it you know yeah they understand they understand there's a difference between it whether that's color or not and color the way we perceive it now we're getting into color theory is different for everyone right now everybody has their own view for dogs it might be i mean light as colors are essentially the different reflection of light off of things so if light is reflecting off something differently that makes it yellow for me but a dog because it doesn't have as many sensors it might be green or like a light gray versus a black you know we all have but it's not gray and black yeah there's all these different views i'm sure dogs and cats as well and all animals their makeup of their eye is completely different it's it's wild so now i want to break into something that i actually discovered secondary in my research you know how you shine a light at animals at night and they reflect yeah do you wonder why some animals reflect the light in their eyes and why some don't i feel like it's something to do with their ability to see in the night it is dogs have more rods than humans and rods give the ability to see in low light essentially if you think of it like a camera lens you're opening your aperture of your eye a little bit more the rods allow you to do that well isn't isn't having more rods more data receiving so it's isn't like having more more sensors yeah i guess or essentially or be able to go to a higher iso in the dark essentially it's an iso i think that's a better analogy to how the eyes work that's wild yeah 
because aperture would be the dilation of your eye, and it's it's limited to the size of the eye, right? I assume, but yeah, that it is a different ISO. So dogs have a higher ISO, <laughs> maybe not as sharp, but they can definitely see better in the dark. So dogs also have a layer of eye tissue that humans lack called a tapetum lucidum. Tapetum lucidum. It reflects light in the retina. So this boosts the dog's night vision even more. And it's why dog's eyes shine in the dark, similar to foxes, raccoons. So turns out dogs, they can see much more than just black and white. They can see low light coloration, whether it's blue and yellow, um, anything amongst those shades, we, we don't know. It's really hard to tell. All we know is under a microscope, you can see there are two cones does in that, a dog's eye. Does that mean the light enters the eye and then is reflected back and then reflected back into the eye? Exactly. That that piece of tissue reflects it twice. So it's like the eyes are flashlights themselves, re- increasing the brightness of what they see. Essentially, yeah. It takes the light that it's given and points it back out, the reflective, and adds a little more light to it. That's well, a wild thought. What's funny is that's very prevalent in animals, as you said. And when I was younger, we went on a trip to Belize. And while we were there, we went on a little night hike. And in order to see the animals and like try to spot them, you have a headlight on. And the headlight's close enough to your eyes that when you hit the eyes of an animal, the light bounces back and shines in your eyes. So you can tell, yeah. So you will just be panning and you'll just see a glowing flash. And that's a creature. It needs to reflect directly at you. Essentially, it is a mirror. Their eyes are mirrors. So, interesting. So, interesting. dogs not only have better low-light ability, even though they're less color-capable, they can also spot fast-moving objects easier because they have a lower position to their eyes. They're also on the side of their face more than in the front, so it adds a wider field of view, which is like an evolutionary trait dogs have, you know. Some dogs, they're, like, I'm thinking, like, pugs and what are those dogs with the eyes, bold eyes in the front. They're not meant for natural survival. Let's just say that. No, they're not the ones hunting their next meal. No, no. They're the ones that sit in your purse and ride on a plane in the seat next to you. <laughs> that, talking talking about those dogs is a whole other discussion. But while we're on the topic of eyes, you have a dog. Yeah. His eyesight is not great. And I can tell. Sometimes there's a fox in the backyard. He'll smell the fox and be freaking out, but he'll be, like, looking around like crazy. And I'm like, it's right there. Like, how do you not see it? But dogs truly don't have a good sense of smell. Or, I'm sorry, sight. They have great smell. They have a great sense of smell. I was going to say, he points it out using his nose, but it still takes a little bit longer to hone in than visual contact. Right. It's it's a very interesting concept. You know? So... Dogs, I have some notes on their nose, but that's like its own thing. They just have 10,000 times to 10,000 to 100,000 times more acute sense of smell than humans. So if you put that in an analogy to vision, what you can see at a third of a mile, a dog can see more than 3,000 miles away and still see as well. Wait, smell or sight? If it was sight. Oh. It's an analogy to the sense of smell. Okay. So say you're looking at something a third of a mile away, that's over 3,000 miles away for a dog that it can see. So if you smell something, I don't know, if you just smell something in the room, they're experiencing it 3,000 times more than you. And that's why dogs are man's best friend in the sense that they've helped us 
survive just due to the fact that they help us hunt and they help us find things and work with other animals just because their senses of smell are so keen. Dogs are wild. They can smell cancer in patients. They can smell drugs within... uh, There was one dog that could find, like, a tube of drugs within a can of gasoline underwater. Yeah. And it traced some hint of smell. And that was enough. And it was enough, which is wild. And, And just thinking about the power of these sensors and receptors what if humans had one more cone in their eye what if we had one more rod what if we had a hundred more receptors in our nose what would life be like it'd be very overwhelming i think do you think scientists could insert artificially these extra rods and cones in our eyes and make us superhumans? i'm not sure but i'm i think one day someone will because that's just what humans love to do pushing forward but i think that wraps up this week's discussion on mcdonald's and the side of dogs i would say this episode is sponsored by a dog's purpose but it's not or mcdonald's or yeah or mickey d's but you know i hope you learned something about the happiest place on earth oh wait yeah. or is disney the happiest place on world i don't know i think it's mcdonald's when i get my 10 piece nugget and honey mustard i'm pretty happy that's a good day yeah. But that's what we have for this week's episode of Two Top. Remember, dogs don't see in black and white. They don't. They don't really see well at all. No. No. But they sniff. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you guys next time for another Two Topics. Woof. This was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg. Music this episode comes from Lee Rosevere. For more info about this week's episode, visit us at twotoppodcast.com. For general inquiries and feedback, send us an email at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. See you next week for another Two Topics.